Welcome to This Week Health Community. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Today, we have an interview in action from the 2023 fall conferences of Chime in San Antonio and Health in Las Vegas. And we wanna thank our show sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. And they are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Check them out at thisweekhealth.com. And here we go. All right, another interview in action from the Chime Fall Forum. And today we're joined with Chuck Christensen, Franciscan Alliance, CIO. Good morning. Good morning. How's, how's things about? Going well. Good. Going well. How about yeah. you? How's the conference been? Conference has been good. Glad, uh, you know, I, I had the pleasure of being one of the first 192 charter members. And wow. uh, I think I'm one of the few still working. Most everybody else has, uh, has hit the bricks and retired, which is a really good thing. Maybe one of these days I will. But you like doing it. It looks like you like working. Well, I'm like Teresa. She said from the stage yesterday when she got CIO of the year that she has a problem with saying no. That's what this is, is that you can't say no. Well, it's, it's a great organization, so uh, I had the privilege of John Glasser and a whole bunch of other ones being my mentors as we all kind of grew up in a healthcare CIO seat. John Glasser's going to be on stage this morning, and, yep. and I joked with somebody yesterday, I'm like, if you've been in the industry for any period of time, everybody has a John Glasser. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it is generally along that lines of he comes alongside you and you go, John, I'm struggling with, and he goes, yep. and there's always some funny story, anecdotal story, and then he goes, and the point of that story is, and you go, yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Well, I mean, the, really the thing for me was, but through the relationship of this organization, when I would, we we're all trying to solve the same problems, literally, in the 30 years ago in healthcare. Challenges are a little bit different today, but we're all trying to solve the same same issues. I mean, you and I, as we were walking to breakfast this morning, we were talking about Workday and right. the ERP and some of the challenges of that. On the payer side, is just as challenging, but if you can find somebody who has already paved that ground, then it makes it so much easier. So we actually all stood on the shoulders of giants because today I had the answer to somebody's question and tomorrow somebody has the answer to mine. And that was the, that's the whole thing about the relationships that were created by this organization. Have, have you taught the boot camp? I have. I taught it for seven years. All right, let's talk about the next generation. Okay. Because you and I both have enough gray hair that we should be. Well, I've got less than gray hair. It's, <laughs> most of mine's flesh colored right now. Yeah. So, What is the next generation of CIO going to have to have in terms of skills, abilities, temperament to be successful? I'll give you a good Six Sigma answer. It depends. Depends on the health system? Or? It depends on the health system. I mean, we have a tendency to look at health systems through the eyes of Cleveland Clinic, Mayo, Sutter Health, and all the big ones, but there is still a lot of community hospitals, uh, like the one I kind of grew up in in southern Indiana, that have the same challenges, but they don't have the resources. And so if you're in a large health system like I am today, I'm the CTO there, and the challenges on the CIO are more of a of a nature of trying to figure out strategy, working with the other senior leaders. They truly are herding cats, trying to find that right, that blend and mixture of relationship and stuff, where if you're in a smaller organization, it could be a one or two hospital, is that you're gonna to have to wear a lot of hats. And so there's, you have to skill up for that, of being able to 
sit and fixing to wire up a, a new network or you're building a new physician practice or an MOB, you're going to be right in the mix of it where if you're a senior vice president of a large health system, you got people to do that. Right. Uh, and I'm kind of one of those people you know, to do that. Charles does not get involved with some of the day-to-day -day operational stuff, and that's okay. I mean, that's his job is to be more strategic. So my advice to those that have aspirations is, one, is go to boot camp is because there are a couple of different things that you find out there. Do I really want that job? <laughs> I mean, I, and we say that as are used to. It's been three or four years since I've taught, but is that part of it is understanding if they truly want to step up and learn the skills that are required to do that. And one of the things that I think are very important that people think that you need all these technical skills to be a CIO, that helps. But being a subject matter expert is not required, in my humble opinion, is if you can create the relationships inside the organization, if you have the people skills to build a good team. Right. Uh, and I have a John Glasser story. I won't tell it because it would be, it's not that it's inappropriate, I'll just let John tell it. It's, it's his story to tell. It's his story to tell, but it was how he built a team at Partners to do the things that they did while he was there. They had a relation that he said was just phenomenal. And I think that that's what we have to be, if you're gonna be successful, and particularly in larger organizations, you have to build those communities of people that you trust and that trust you. And so I think that's the key for the well, younger generation. Well, some of that aspect is, people think it's a technology job and it's technology adjacent. Yeah. It's a leadership job, mm -hmm. it's a communications job, it's a, it's a project job, it's a project management job. You it's a have, marketing job. It's a marketing job, I mean, yeah. it's. It's amazing how little technology, you, you called it hands-on, but I'm, the architecture is done by the architect. Yep. And the security automation is done by the security automation yep. team. And it almost doesn't matter, I mean, I guess if you get down below a billion, the CIO could be a little bit more yeah. techie, but if you're at a billion, that's generally the, or maybe a little bit more, but that's generally the point at which it becomes a leadership job. Yep. Well, and the thing about it is when I talk about marketing is that you know what the solutions are and you're working with the other senior leaders and you're, and I hate to use the word selling, but when you're talking about a 20, 30, 40 million dollar investment, you're trying to convince some people, you know, we're owned by a Catholic, a Franciscan order of sisters. Well, I mean, they want their mission to take care of patients. We all do that because most of us that are there, we connect with that mission. But, you know, when you're asking them to spend that kind of money, and it's not necessarily related, it is adjacent to care, but it's some of the infrastructure stuff we need to do in order to allow us to provide that care, that it's not brick and mortar. It's a, a marketing campaign. So have you presented where the sisters are in the room and they start asking you questions and grilling you? No, not, Charles gets to do that. I meet with the sisters. I've had the pleasure, they invite a certain number of leaders up to the convent, convents up in Mishawaka. It is, you know, and Bill, I don't know if you know, but I'm ordained clergy in the Episcopal Church. I'm retired. I was a vocational deacon for 20 years. And so I'm, it was very humbling to be around those ladies who devoted their life to moving forward with that mission of caring for people. And they're very passionate about it. And the other thing that really impressed me about the sisters is they're called the Order of Perpetual Adoration. There are two sisters in the chapel 24 hours a day 365 days a year praying for, you know, we as 
employees can ask them to do anything we, you know, any, you know, any prayer, and I have on many occasions. And so it's an interesting organization to kind of be within that mission of that org of those folks. All right, we're going to be doing webinars a little different this year. I've talked to you a little bit about this. We got together with our advisors. They told us, hey, you got to do them different. They're just not serving the community well. And we said, what do you want? They said, community-generated topics, great contributors, not product-driven. They want a, a more honest and open discussion. And they said, what we want is not no on-demand webinars. We want once-and-done type webinars on a consistent date and time. So every first Thursday of the month, our first one being January 5th, first Thursday of the month, one o'clock Eastern time, we are going to be doing a webinar. You can count on it. Put it on your calendar. Every first Thursday of the month at one o'clock Eastern time, we're going to do a webinar. The topics are going to be generated by the community, and we would love to have you there. Our first one, January 5th, priorities for 2023, a CIO discussion with integrated delivery networks. February 2nd, we're going to come back with academic medical center CIOs talking about their priorities. And then we're going to hit some of the other great topics that they've given us for the year. And we would love to have you join us again, thisweekhealth.com, top right-hand corner. It'll have our current webinar and our upcoming webinars. You can sign up right there. And if you miss it, it's not on demand anymore. So we would love to have you there. Make sure somebody from your team is there taking notes and bringing stuff back to your staff. So we hope that this works out. Any feedback, go ahead and send us a note. We would love to hear about it. When I came in, I went to work for St. Joseph Health, mm -hmm. the Sisters of St. Joseph, and I remember presenting, and you come to the realization very quickly that this is a mission. Yeah. Because they start asking you questions, and you say, well, here's what we're going to do on the technology side, whatever, and then they say, tell us about how you're going to help the poor and vulnerable. I'm like, mm -hmm. wow, yeah, that's an interesting question. And no other industry are you getting that question. No, absolutely not. And it really does make you think. What are some of the priorities that you guys are focusing on right now? Well, I mean, we're like all other healthcare systems. Our revenues and stuff didn't necessarily bounce back like everybody thought they would. And so we're looking at, I was in a focus group yesterday and we talked about how do you slim down, how do you cut costs and taking a very serious look at that. You know, we're a three plus billion dollar organization. The budget I manage is larger than the entire budget of the first hospital I worked in. So it's kind of interesting about how to take care of that. And so the other thing is, how do we engage our patients differently? Because some of the populations that we serve are, you know, we have several critical access hospitals and stuff. A lot of our patient populations are Medicaid and Medicare. So our payer mix is not fabulous so like you, a larger healthcare organizations uh, should be to maintain a healthy bottom line because you know they say no margin no mission right. and so I think it's the, the from a technology standpoint I'm trying to predict what the future is going to hold we've added a lot in the almost four years I've been there we've added a lot to the stack I've replaced the phone system throughout the enterprise almost done end of December I'll be finished. Out of curiosity how old were your phones when you finally replaced them? We had seven different PBX's both Nortel and Avaya. Nortel enough said. Yeah and so they were they were beyond we had a third party maintaining them because the vendors long ago abandoned that, those platforms and so uh, it's taken me three years to get that done. We're also designing a new zero trust network and putting the parts in for that. You know, one of the things I found, I have a good partner in my peer who's a CISO, and I've been in that position along with other things at smaller organizations, and you have to use the technology as, as a security 
barrier as well as all the policies and controls and that kind of stuff. And so we're working on that to make that organization more secure. And that's the thing that keeps myself and Jay up at night is I'm afraid that it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Right. And so how do we reduce the power of that attack? The CISO role has been really interesting to watch. Yeah. Because it used to be they were over here, they sort of did their, are we compliant, are we, you know, is the technology in place? And more and more they're escalating. And we had a meeting with some CISOs a couple weeks ago, and they're presenting to boards now. Yeah. I mean, they're they're leading that charge. Well, we, we got a couple of hospitals. We had Eskenazi, Johnson Memorial, and a few others that got hit with ransomware. Yeah. That got the sisters' attention. And they started asking the very difficult questions. And then, of course, they asked them of Charles at a senior leadership meeting, and they trickled down to us, which is fine. Yep. And so we went and put together a presentation about what are we doing to stop as much of that kind of activity at, at the gate. The issue is, by the time they let you know that they're there, they've been there for a long time. And so right, that's because they're getting in with valid credentials. Yeah. And then they and, and then they sit there. So they don't they don't want to tip their hand. Yeah. And they make sure it's like, okay, we have the escalated privileges, we're ready to move. And by the time they're ready to move, they're ready to It's already know, too late. Yeah, I mean it's like within an hour yeah. you well, I mean, I think that's the thing, you know, Log4J and some of the other ones where they, they go in and spend time getting those elevated credentials. And they, they're good techniques because if you, you think about our organization, I've got 96 to 98,000 connected devices. Well, every one of those is a potential vector of getting into the, to the network. The question is, do we have enough tools to identify them when they show up? and then clean them out. The other thing is, do we have uh, all the tools uh, available to ensure that they don't get in and get those elevated credentials? I mean, we've put a bunch of stuff in place that drives my system admins and my server storage team, because they, and, and, they have to go ask and check out privileges, right. uh, and they only get it for a short period of time, and they say, well, this is just insane. I'm going, no. I said, what's insane is, having everybody having admin rights and then when something happens we're spending days weeks cleaning up the mess I said so it may be a little inconvenience we'll get used to it and, and we are airing one of the CISOs at the meeting said they have automation software and I said when they detect something going on at a workstation they shut it down immediately yep and immediately one of the other CISOs goes what about the false positives he said they were their community connect partner was completely ransomed out yep. for 30 days. He said, after that event, we said, hey, here's what we'd like to do. And everyone said, Fine. absolutely. Because yeah. we just saw what happened over there and we don't want that to happen. Well, and we're doing some of the same things. We put in some software that most healthcare systems don't know what's actually connected to their network, particularly all the medical devices and that kind of stuff. Right. And so we put some software in that interrogates the packets as it, as it goes by. It sits on the network span ports. It sees everything. and. It doesn't gather the data, but it, what it does, it reads the headers and knows the equipment that's sending it, and then it learns what the patterns of communication is. And so if you've got a CT scanner sitting out here, what is it going to talk to? Well, it's going to probably talk to your order management system and the PAC system. Anything else other than those two things, or maybe three, they may be sending to a VNA or something like that, it's, and then all of a sudden it starts trying to talk to an IP address and 
that you've got geo-blocked, something's going wrong. And so you can set the rules up so you can, with our big firewalls, that you can just shut that port down and be done with it. And the other thing too is we've got some segmentation based upon our regions. We have five. If we see something happen at that location, we'll shut it down. And the thought is I'd rather block off that region and lose it for an hour until we find out, is this a real attack or if it's a false positive, then lose the entire enterprise, which it always takes at least three weeks to clean up the mess. We could probably talk for another I know, we could. hour. Because I the, I'll tell you, one of the larger health systems, I remember when I came in, we started flattening the network to make it easier yeah, for administration. I know. And then the security, we had an internal audit and they came back to us and said, don't do that, do the opposite. Yeah. I'm like, well, that'll increase the complexity. It's like, yes, for you and for them. Well, even in some of our cloud journey stuff, we're micro-segmenting inside the cloud, using some of the tools that our cloud vendors have, but we're also adding another layer of that as well, because if it's difficult for us to navigate, it's going to be difficult for the others to navigate too. And if we can, it's, it's kind of like, I'm sure you've heard the story about the lady who was afraid of ghosts and she built a house with doorways that went nowhere. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, and then we've got honeypots in, in various locations of the organization and if they get in there, they may be able to mess it up, but then we'll know very quickly that they're, that they're there. Chuck, first time on the show. Thank you. Okay, man. Thanks very much. Very much. Appreciate it. Another great interview. I want to thank everybody who spent time with us at the conferences. I love hearing from people on the front lines, and it is phenomenal that they have taken the time to share their wisdom and experience with the community, which is greatly appreciated. We also want to thank our channel sponsors one more time who invest in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. They are Olive, Rubric, Trellix, Medigate, and F5. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.